Let us pray. Almighty and most gracious Father, on this day you have accomplished our salvation through Christ. For by his crucifixion you have poured out your wrath against sin upon him, that he might stand in our place, that he might might take upon himself that which is rightfully ours. And by your grace you gift to us that which is truly his. Instill in us, O Lord, awe. Instill in us faith and trust and joy at the work He has accomplished for us. And enable us, Lord, to walk as Your people. To be Your people before the face of the world. That through us, You would continually make this crucified one, Jesus Christ, known to all. This we ask through that very same one, Jesus Christ. Amen. On the sixth day of the creation week, God created man in his own image. He gave life to him that he had created. And then out of that man's side, he made woman. On that sixth day of creation, we see God giving life to all of humanity, calling forth life, breathing out life into humanity itself. But now on this, the sixth day of Holy Week, instead of there being life created, man has put to death the God-man who was the fullness of deity in human flesh. Humanity in its rebellion against God Himself has put to death the one who was and is true life. And yet, despite that, God in His manifold wisdom has used that very moment as the way to bring salvation and forgiveness, to bring redemption itself to the very humanity that was in rebellion. And with that, with that death of that one, the God-man, to bring about redemption out of the very side of that God-man, a bride would come forth that would be filled with new life, that would be filled with the very life of God Himself. You may wonder why we continually go back always to the crucifixion of Jesus every single year. Isn't it enough to have heard about it once? To have heard about it and to have believed it? Why must we constantly hear of it again and again and again? Because every time we hear of it, it renews our faith. It refreshes us. I was watching a video earlier about fish and water. And the narrator said that if you took an old fish out of the water it had always been in, that it had grown up in, that it had lived in its entire life, and then you put it in new water. That very fish would most likely die. And it's because that new water won't have nutrients in it. It won't have the very things necessary to keep that fish alive, the things that that fish has grown with, the things that have fed that fish, the things that have made that fish to live and thrive and to survive. That old water has what is needed for that fish. However, the new water lacks 
what is necessary to sustain that old fish's life. And that's why we go back to the crucifixion, for there is our life. For there is what we are raised in, what we draw our faith out of. That crucifixion of Christ is where life pours out to us, where life flows into our very lives. Where life that comes from Jesus brings us out of the dead, out of the deadness of our sins and into new life. And so we go back to that crucifixion constantly, to that old idea of Jesus dying upon the cross that we hear about over and over again because that is where our life is. That is where we gain our eternal life, where it is won for us. And that winning of us, winning for us, that eternal life comes because of what Jesus has done. And the first thing that Jesus does that we hear about in our entire reading as we do just a quick overview of this gospel narrative we have heard is that He volunteered for the sacrifice. He put Himself forward. He volunteered to die for the sins of the world. And Chapter 18 and verse 4, St. John writes for us saying that Jesus, knowing all that would happen to Him, came forward. As Judas came with those officers and those soldiers, Jesus knew what was about to happen. He knew exactly where everything was going that night, where it would lead to the next morning. Knowing all that would happen to Him, He stepped forward. He came forward. He placed Himself before the ones who had come to arrest Him. He stepped forward and identified who He was. He knew what was about to occur. He knew what the end of this would result in. But nonetheless, He knew that that was the Father's will. He knew that that was God the Father's very plan. For through Him, through Jesus, salvation would be accomplished. It's like what we heard of over in Hebrews chapter 10 tonight. Christ came into the world and said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. And then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. Jesus came to put Himself forward to be that very sacrifice because the blood of goats and bulls could not undo our sins. They could not permanently remove and cover up all of the sins that we have. It would take a greater sacrifice. It would take the sacrifice of the one who came from God Himself, who is God Himself in the flesh. And God sweeps away those burnt offerings and those sacrifices to receive Christ doing His will, to receive Christ doing that will of submitting Himself to death on our behalf. And so Jesus steps forward and asks, who do they seek? And He says, and they say, Jesus of Nazareth. And He says, I am He. And the soldiers fell to the ground. The power of Christ confessing who He is. I am so often throughout the Gospel of John, we hear those I am statements as Jesus declaratively uses the name of God. I am, the ego of me that is used in the Old Testament when God speaks of Himself. And Jesus steps forward and says, I am. And thus they fall back 
But finally, they do arrest him and they take him to the high priest. They take him and begin his mock trial that he has volunteered for. He has volunteered himself for this sacrifice. Again, we hear over in chapter 19, when Pilate goes back to confront Jesus and ask him, where are you from? And when Jesus doesn't answer, he tells him, you will not, you will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? And Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. The authority that Pilate has is purely derived from heaven above, from God the Father. God the Father is seeing and bringing about these events and Jesus is walking into it. He is volunteering to sacrifice Himself in order to bring about the Father's will, to bring about the Father's plan, to bring about the desired salvation for creation itself. And so Jesus volunteers Himself to go to the cross. He could have easily avoided it. He could have turned away, but nonetheless, He follows that path. As He told Peter, is it not right for me to take up the cup that the Father has given me? Shall I not drink that cup? Willingly He goes and is arrested, and thus will be tried and led to the cross. But even more about why we go back to this moment of crucifixion over and over, not only does Jesus volunteer Himself for the sacrifice, but Jesus Himself is the truth. He is the truth that is willing to be sacrificed, to save us, to redeem us. Over the course of His discussion in chapter 18, Pilate asked him, so are you a king? Jesus replied, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And then the infamous statement from Pilate, what is truth? Here's a moment where John 14 comes in where Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus is the very truth of the Word. He is the truth of God Himself in human flesh here on earth to bear witness to the life that God desires to bring into this world. To bear witness to the desire of God to overcome our sins. To redeem us from those sins that lay hold of us, that drive us, that control us. Jesus is the truth of God in this world to bring about a kingdom for God. He is the king of the true kingdom that comes from the Father. As Jesus said earlier, if my kingdom was of this world, my servants would fight. But his kingdom is not of this world. His kingdom is a greater kingdom. His kingdom is one that will ultimately win out, that will grow and exceed and go beyond the boundaries of our wildest imaginations. And when it has reached its fullness, then he will return and bring about the full renewal of all things. But in this moment, it is right for us to remember that the truth is Jesus Himself. And to remember that that truth has walked this path toward crucifixion. He has walked this path willingly, going there to be the truth. 
by bearing witness to who He is, by dying upon the cross, by fulfilling Scriptures, by fulfilling all that the Father has called Him to do, all those who listen to the truth will hear His voice. Those who hear His voice will be united to the truth. They will be incorporated into the truth. They will come to better understand who is the truth. And that that truth is Jesus Himself, the one who has taken away our sins, the one who has renewed us and redeemed us, the one that God has provided for us. In the very way that God spoke to Abraham and said, I will provide the sacrifice. Abraham, having faith as they were going to Mount Moriah, told his son Isaac, God will provide. And thus, on that mountain, it was known then thereafter as God will provide. God provides the sacrifice that is necessary. And so He sends forth His Son to become that sacrifice, to take away our sins, to deal with all that stands between us and God, but even more, not just to deal with what stands between us and God, but to deal with the very things that drive us from God, those very things that lay hold of us, that sin is not just something inside of us, it is something beyond us that Satan uses to deceive us, to drive us away from the salvation that Christ has given to us. Jesus overcomes even all the corrupt powers and authorities of this world through His death and sacrifice because He is the truth of God. He takes away not only sin itself, but He undoes death. He undoes the power of the devil. He breaks open the gates of Hades itself, that it would release all those who had died before Him in faith toward the promise. That all those now will be in the resurrection of the dead at the end. Because Jesus is the truth who has accomplished the will of God on our behalf. And out of Jesus volunteering Himself to be sacrificed, and out of His being the truth itself in this world, His very death is a death that undoes death. And by undoing death itself, it becomes a death that creates. As Jesus went to the cross, as He was nailed upon that cross, He hung there and suffered the penalty of sin. He suffered the wrath of God upon Himself that we might not suffer that very wrath. And as He was there, knowing that all was now finished, John says in 1928, He said, I thirst. And so a soldier gave him some wine, gave him some sour wine, and held it to his mouth. And when he received that wine, he said, It is finished. All was accomplished in that time upon the cross by him. Sin itself was drained of its power against us. The devil's accusations were completely undone. The powers and authorities of this world that would wield their authority over us are broken. For by His cross, He makes a mockery of them. He breaks the law by fulfilling it in its fullness, by being the perfect one before God. And what we discover is in that moment of suffering the wrath of God against sin itself, Jesus does the unthinkable. He dies so quickly upon the cross. Usually when one was crucified, they would hang there for days sometimes, suffering constantly. 
an agonizing, painful death that, of course, the Romans would perfect perfectly to bring the maximum amount of pain and the maximum amount of humiliation and a maximum amount of shame for their highest of criminals. To make a mockery of them before the people to show their power and their authority that any who would go against Rome can suffer this kind of death. But Jesus, in suffering that death, is also simultaneously suffering spiritual death. He is suffering for the sins of the world. And in that suffering of the sins of the world, He dies much more quickly than any others typically died upon the cross. And so when the soldiers came to break the legs of those who were being crucified, they find that Jesus has already died. And just to confirm that He had already died, one of them takes His spear and jams it into his side, and out of the side comes blood and water. And here in this moment, we have a picture, we have a symbol that the church fathers love to talk about and to see and that I love to think about now. That out of his pierced side came blood and water, and that is for us an image of the church being born out of Christ himself. For there, by His spilled blood, He deals with our sins and brings about our redemption. And by that spilled water, it becomes a picture for us of the baptism that brings us that very life that He has purchased for us. He pours out His blood for us. With the pouring out of that blood comes the very path of life for us. That the bride of Christ is born out of His side in much the same way, in a new and amazing way, like Adam like Adam's wife Eve was born out of his side when the father put him into a deep sleep and made Eve out of his side, out of his rib. And thus we are placed into the church by the very water that pours out of Christ's side. We get to receive salvation. And not only does that blood point us to the salvation He accomplishes on the cross, but it points us even more so to communion itself. That both sacraments are symbolically represented in this moment. As Christ pours out His blood upon the cross to die for our sins, that blood also represents the very blood that we receive through the sacrament that we take into us. For in the blood there is life. That's why it was forbidden in the Old Testament. In the blood is life. And so for all the sacrifices, they had to pour out all the blood before they could be consumed. But here... Through the sacrament of the body and blood of Christ, we receive the blood of Christ. We partake of it through that wine. And we are nourished by it. We are given His life. For out of His death, life is created in His people. His church is created out of His side. And we go forward as His people always. Being renewed, being built up, being made more and more like Him as we recall our baptisms, as we partake and feast on the body and blood of Christ in the sacrament. We are made more and more like Christ and receive that new life, that eternal life forever and ever. And all of it flows from that cross. By that cross, we are redeemed. By that cross, we are purchased. By that cross, we are given eternal life. So my brothers and sisters, we go back always to the cross. For there, the sins of the world are dealt with. For there, the corrupt and wicked authorities and powers are undone. For there, salvation 
is accomplished. And from there, salvation flows forth to the ends of the earth. That all who look and see and receive Christ as the crucified one, as the one who has died for our sins, all of those will be made new and be made part of His bride, the church. And that church will know His salvation to its fullness and will be fully renewed when He returns. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.